right, it's good to be back with, with our church family. Amy and I got to take a couple weeks off, and um, I heard Pastor Brantley brought it. Amen. That's a blessing. I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is that, um, you know, you can leave and just people that are so gifted can just do such an incredible job. I actually had somebody text me this week, and they were just saying that, you know, they said, you know, we got to visit a church because they've moved from here, and um, it was the church, the pastor wasn't there that Sunday, so it was an associate, and, and it was just difficult. And we don't know if you realize how blessed you are to have the team that you have. And so I responded back, no, I, I am clearly aware of how blessed I am to, um, to, to be able to have the team that we have. And, um, and man, I just tell you, I just love what God's doing in that team. I love what God's doing in this house. Amen? And it is summertime, and I'm here in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to August 4th. It's a big day. Everybody coming kind of back in after summer. And, uh, but Amy and I, we got to celebrate last week our 25th wedding anniversary. Yeah, I know. I know. I put up with her for 20 five years. I mean, that's just a, a no, no. She's actually been an amazing wife, and I honored her in the first service. Just, you know, just she's such a good partner in ministry, uh, uh, an incredible mother, you know, um, time at St. Simon. Has that prophetic edge for our house. She really does. And so we had a great time at St. Simon last week celebrating that, and um, <clears throat> look forward to another, another four or five more years with her. So, and, um, <laughs> solid, yeah, solid, at least five, at least five. Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, and as you saw that advertisement up there, on August 2nd and 3rd, we have partnered with One Race for years um, as we prepared for last summer's big experience at Stone Mountain, 25,000 people gathering to say that we're one race, that we are one group of people serving Jesus, loving Jesus, loving each other, and trying to have a, a testament of that to our nation and in, in spite of all that's going on around our nation that's trying to divide folk, amen? Trying hard, but, but we were able to come together and show unity, and, and we don't want that movement to stop. And so I meet monthly with pastor friends of mine around the one race theme, and, um, and all of us, there's about 200 some churches, we're all gathering together for this conference on the second, it's Friday night and Saturday, it's called the 400 Conference because 1619 in August in Jamestown, the very first in the Atlantic um, um, slave trade, the very first slave was brought to this country um, or this, this region, the North American region, on, on, in August 1619. So 400 years past that. And man, thank God we've come far, but there's still further to go. Amen? And so I want to invite you guys to come out that Friday night and that Saturday for that conference. Also, um, we do a lot with them as far as some, some um, um, ministry, volunteerism, and things like that. And they've asked if we can bring some volunteers. So if you can help serve with myself and some others that day on, the, um, on Saturday, we need some volunteers. You know, they're hoping we can bring 10 to 15 volunteers. So please let us know if you can help on that day serve. And it's going to be at the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church. So I... It's just going to be amazing. I know the dios of speakers that are coming are phenomenal. As we continue into the conversation around what it's going to look like to, to stand together in unity across our land. Amen? All right. Are you in Genesis chapter 12? Good. We're going to get there. I started this year off with the theme that God had placed in my heart that he was saying that more was coming to this house, that he wanted to speak more over us. And, and I believe with all my heart, and I've seen it, 
that God will place a mandate on a home, on a church, on a house, and then we can kind of come up under that. Because it's not about the four walls of this place. It's not about brick and mortar. Amen? You're the church. And so when I believe that God was saying in January that he wanted more to come upon us, I was saying I believe God wants more to come upon you. And when a word comes upon a church like that, you just receive it. You know what I'm saying? You just grab hold of that. That's my word. I want more for my life. I don't just want more for the house. God, give me more for my family. Give me more of my finances. Give me more of my health. Give me more of my marriage. Give me more peace and more strength. And, and so I really believe this would be that year. And, and let me ask you, have you ever prayed a prayer that sounded kind of like this? God, I need you to bless my Whatever it might be, you know. But Lord, bless my marriage. How many's ever prayed that prayer before? Yeah, yeah. Lord, bless my, anybody, finances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, bless my health. Yeah, yeah, we've prayed those prayers before. Father God, come and bless my business, you know. Or maybe there's somebody you're frustrated with. Lord, bless their heart, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, but we've prayed prayers where we wanted the more. We wanted God's blessing to come. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's wrong at all. And the reason why I don't think it's wrong for us to anticipate and expect more is because we serve a God that names himself, that titles himself, the El Shaddai. What that means is the all-sufficient one. Isn't that good? El Shaddai. It means that he is more. The God of more than enough. Not the God of just enough. I don't know about you all. I'm tired of just enough. Amen? But God, he's the God of more than enough. And I told you in January that this would be a year of, of more. And I said that we want to experience more of God. We want to experience more for God, and we want to experience more from God. And as we got to this place, about the middle of the year, I felt like God just wanted me to kind of tune this up a little bit the next two Sundays and get our, our minds back to the mandate that's on the house that we are going to lead people to more in life through Jesus Christ. Amen? That we're going to be those that won't be satisfied with just a little touch of God. I don't, I'm not about you. I'm tired of just kind of coming into the church, just same old, same old, week in and week out. I want more of God. Well, Ross, you're talking about emotion. You're absolutely like more emotion with my wife. Amen? And it's the same way with my God. I want to experience him. I want to come into a place like this where we feel his flow. We feel his move. We leave going, there was something going on in there today. Amen? I want that. I want more of God. That's the first thing I want more of. More of his word manifesting over my life. More of his presence showing up in my heart. More of his power taking place in my home. I want, everybody shout, I want more. It's selfish. Look at you. No, that's not selfish at all. It's God's work in you. You know, here's what's crazy about the Lord. He created in you such a way, and I love it, because you would think if God created us, we would just be perfect, right? And we are the apex of creation, but he created us in such a way that we have need. He created us in such a way that there's this gap that we need extra. There's this God-shaped vacuum, this hole in us that we need God to fill there's this, this part of us that we aren't complete on our own. I think that's the most amazing thing ever. Amen? That, 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 that there's something in us that says, you're not enough. There's something in us that says, you'll never measure up. And here's the thing about that. We can look at that as a negative, or we can go to the source so that we can be enough. We can go to the source so that we can measure up. Amen? And then, and then he also will do things like this. He'll create you in such a way where your wife becomes your helpmeet. 
and vice versa, you know? I'm just saying that he creates us in such a way that we need, we need extra. Shout extra. Yeah, yeah, we need a little something more. We need blessed. We need touched. We need something more. And so that more, first of all, we need God. We need more of God. And I want us to be a people that when we come into this house, I was here praying yesterday over the seats and just seeking God on what God was going to do today. And I just, I want us to be a place where we come into the house and we come with anticipation, you know. God, what are you going to do today? If not in my life, in somebody else's life, what are you going to say today? Leaning on the front of the seat, Lord, what are you going to speak into my heart today? What encouragement might I be able to walk in today? Or what encouragement might I be able to give today? Amen? God, I want to be a blessing. I want to receive from you. I want to do more for you. So... That's that second part, that idea of doing more for God. I don't want to just be a vessel that receives more. That's not what your pastor's espousing from the beginning of the year, that we just become a bless me club. No. God, pour in so that we can pour out. I want to do more for the Lord. Amen? And then guess what? As you're doing that, you know a poured out vessel is a vessel that can receive. Amen? A vessel that's emptying has capacity to get and to receive more. And guess what? I believe God wants you to have more. I do. Oh, it's a prosperity church. No, it's not a prosperity church. I just don't want to be a broke church either. Come on, somebody. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've tried broke. I don't like it. <laughs> but you know what? God was faithful in the middle of it. Yeah, he was. Because there's more of him, more of his presence, more of his goodness. And I'll talk a little bit about that a little bit more. All I'm getting at is that as we pour out, God wants you to receive more from him as well. And that's all right. Don't feel selfish. Feel like a child. My kids have no problem going, Daddy, Daddy, more Daddy, you know. No problem. They don't feel bad about that at all. And I don't want them to feel bad about that. Obviously, Daddy teaches responsibility, and Daddy teaches Thanksgiving and gratitude, you know. And Daddy teaches, go talk to your mama, you know, stuff like that. But I want them to still come to dad, you know. That's how a dad is. Dads want their kids to walk in. Everybody shout more. more. And so this year we've been looking at that. And, and that to me, the more of God, sounds like a pretty blessed life, you know. It sounds like a life of more. And, and, and with it today, the reason why I'm fine-tuning this is I want to ask us, what is the more for? You know, if we walk with more of God, if we move in more of what he has us doing, if we experience and receive more from him, what's the more, everybody say that, what's the more for? Yeah, what's the more for? And so my question to us as we continue this morning, let's stand to our feet. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 12. But my question as we lead into this is, what motivates God to bless others with more? If, if what the, what's the more for, what's the reason behind him wanting to give his children more. And so in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, it says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Did you see that? I'm going to make you blessed. Why? What is the more for? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Ooh, that's good. That this heritage, this heritage of blessing, this, this bestowing of blessing in and through you is the intention of the Father. That's what God's wanting for His sons and His daughters, is for us to receive the blessing of the Father and to bestow the blessing of the Father. God's not just wanting to be a blessing God to you. He's wanting to be a blessing God through you. Amen? 
How many, I'm thankful that we serve a blessing God. And you may look at me and say, Ross, you're crazy. God likes to take. You're talking about the wrong God. It's the enemy of your heart that steals, kills, and destroys. But Jesus comes and brings life and life abundant. And right now you might be looking at life and going, what the flip is going on? But you wait. You wait. Because all things, shout all things. And that, you know what? You said that like you don't need it. And maybe you don't. But there's some folk in this room right now that need to hear that all things. And so I need you to shout all things like for somebody else. Declare it. Ready? All things. All things. No, no. One more time. All things. all things. I like threes. Resurrection happens on the backside of threes. Say all things. One more time. Work together for the good of those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I don't care what you're going through. You still have a God that is the God that is the El Shaddai. You still have a God that is all-sufficient. You still have a God that is bringing blessing, amen, to you and through you. I don't care what the devil will say and what the devil's trying. That's the God you serve. Every perfect gift. Who? Every perfect gift comes down from the Father in heaven, amen? <clears throat> I'm going to preach myself sad and happy today. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and so <laughs> I say that verse. And you're saying, Ross, that was for Abraham of old. Come on, buddy. Come on, Ross. Are you really going to claim a 4,000-year-old promise? And you're going to claim that word for yourself today? Yep, I sure am. And you ought to claim it too. You know why? Watch what it says in the New Testament, Galatians 3, 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. The same blessing, this idea that God is a father that wants to bestow upon his sons a birthright. I believe that same daddy is your daddy. And that as a Gentile still today, it's fine. God still wants to bless his children today, not because of you, but through Jesus Christ. And so I do, though, want to go back 4,000 years ago. I want to go back for a second to Abraham because this father begins a lineage. God begins to do a thing in him, a miraculous, a miraculous thing in him. And this child is born. And as Isaac is born, that firstborn, that, that, that child that God ordained to walk in that blessing, he has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And, and, and so often throughout the Old Testament, and we're going to talk about this next week, there's a little bit of a, a weird thing that happens in Scripture where God places a blessing upon firstborns, okay? But how firstborns miss it so often. And we'll talk about this a little bit more today. <clears throat> but then God comes in grace and still allows his mandate to be carried on by the next, all right? And next Sunday, we're going to talk about a little bit more. And I'll cover that a little bit more today, too. But I don't want you to miss what I'm trying to get at here. So all I'm getting at is that, that this firstborn lineage, this idea of a blessing that comes upon a firstborn, we begin to see that. And so often that firstborn is thrust into the role of a trailblazer. That firstborn will be thrust into the role of a leader. That firstborn literally represented the future hope of the family and the name of the family. And in Jewish culture and tradition, which finally carried into actual Jewish law, it was one of those things to where whenever you divided inheritance to your children, the oldest son got the double portion. And if Grant Wiseman's in the house, shout amen. I don't know if he's in here or not. So, but yeah, the oldest son would get that inheritance, that double portion. That doesn't mean that any of the others aren't getting it. They all get a portion. But the oldest son, the firstborn, has the birthright. He gets the inheritance that's a double portion. 
Deuteronomy 21.17 says it this way, that that father must acknowledge the son as the firstborn by giving him a double share of all he has. The son is the first sign of his father's strength. The right of the firstborn belongs to him. And so that dad would lay hands upon that son, would anoint that son, and confer upon that son the blessing of the birthright, the firstborn, the inheritance that was double portion. And that anointing would come upon that son. If I had to title today's sermon, I would say, what is the more for? But I would also call this week of this, I would call it the anointing of the firstborn. The anointing of the firstborn. What is an anointing? It's a special blessing. Amen? It's a special touch. It's, it's God moving upon man in a way that's saying, you don't have what you need, but I do. And I'm going to place this upon you. And as the firstborn, you're going to get a double right, a double portion of that. Amen? And we have heard preachers preach double portion for years, haven't we? You know, God's going to give you a double portion. Glory to God, you know. And, um, and that's awesome. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you here, it's not just about the right that you walk in. All right, we're going to talk here a little bit about the responsibility that you walk in also when it comes to being a firstborn. Check this out, birthright, birthright. A birthright is given not because of anything a child has done other than be born. Grant's my firstborn son, he could not help himself. He's just my firstborn son. That's what he is. You know, he's my firstborn son. A person has a birthright on their life for no other reason than that they were born. When it comes to birthright, it isn't so much about who the baby is. It's all about who the father is. That'll preach all by itself. Amen? When it comes to birthright, it's not about what the child has, but it's what the father has. But in light of all this, there was an expectation on the firstborn. That firstborn is going to get that double portion of inheritance. But there was this expectation. And you may have thought, like I did years ago, when I would hear those things of the firstborn, I would think, that just doesn't seem fair, that that one gets it all. And that's when I thought it was my sister, who is seven and a half years older than me. She's going to get it all. And then I realized it's firstborn sons. And then I realized mom and dad are broke. <laughs> and so, mom, so now it's like, I'm glad Tammy's taking care of y'all because I'm in Georgia. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I try my best. Mom and dad are far, far away where you want them to be. No, 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 no. They know I, I'm kidding. But my sister, when I was little, you know, I remember reading things like that and thinking, well, yeah, no, that's not fair. No, that's not how it is. That's not the principle. I'm a second born, but I am a son, you know. But still, there was this expectation on the firstborn, all right? So with right comes responsibility. And what I didn't realize coming up was that firstborn got a double portion. Why? Because in daddy's stead, they would take care of the family. There was a responsibility upon them as firstborn to be able to flow out with that extra and to bring that more of the Father into the lives of others. There's a right, say right, and then say responsibility. He must acknowledge the Son as the firstborn by giving him a double share of, of, of all that he has. Watch this. That Son is the first sign of the Father's strength. Do you see that? The first sign of the Father's strength. So yes, we're blessed 
But when we're blessed, what blessing means is to have more than you need for yourself. That's what blessing means. To have more than you need for yourself. And, and here's the thing about it. Just like that child is born, it's nothing about us that deserves the birthright. You know, when it comes to the birthright, it's not about you as the child. It's about the father. He has it all. Amen? The right is in him, and he bestows upon us. And so all I'm saying is that if that's the case, and we are firstborn sons of God, then we ought to live in such a way that the father's strength is seen. And I believe with all my heart that in the American church, all right, we are struggling to see the strength of the Father. And the reason why is because none of us are living up to the status of the firstborn. I'm not saying we're not living up to being born again, but we're not saying, give me that anointing of the firstborn. Put that portion on me of both right and responsibility. Amen? We're waiting for somebody else to walk in it, a friend to walk in it, a pastor or a journey group leader or a ministry team leader. But when it comes down to it, I believe the church will find its strength when everyone in the church says, give me that firstborn anointing, both the right and the responsibility. I'll, I'll walk with that, Lord God. Pour it on me. Give me more. Experience more from you. And I'll do more for you, Lord. Place that upon me, Jesus. And then the sure, the Father is seen in the world. And so to be blessed, like I said, means to have more than you need for yourself. And so if you have a birthright on your life, it's not because you're anything special. It's because he's special. Every one of us in this room that has come into a relationship with Jesus, that is born again, you, every one of you, is called to be a firstborn son. Amen? Isn't that good? There are no second-born sons in the kingdom of God. That's not, the, that's not the intention of the Father. We're all firstborn, begot out of the true one and only begotten Son, Jesus. Through Christ, now, we walk in that promise. Through Christ, now, we have that mantle. And what I'm, I'm wanting is I'm wanting to look into this room and ask, are you willing to receive the mantle of the firstborn? Are you willing to walk in that? Someone who will not see the double portion as a, a, a thank God I'm first. They won't look at that that way. Thank God I've got this for me. But no, they'll embrace the cost of what it means. That it's a responsibility for the family. It's not just a right. It's a responsibility that we have when we move in that firstborn anointing. And every one of us have that kind of responsibility. Check this out. In Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. I'm going to pause there. Do what? Look after each other so that you will receive the grace of God. Now, a couple things. One, isn't the grace of God something you can't earn? But it just said, look after each other so you can receive the grace of God. So there is something more to the grace of God that we experience in our lives if we're watching out for each other. So if we're going, hey, I'm not going to just be responsible for me, but I'm going to pour into some other people, then I can expect a move of God that brings an extension of His grace that brings more. Amen? But so often we treat the church like a parking lot at a movie theater. And what I mean by that is we drive in, park, come in, watch Lion King on the screen, you know. 
Watch Simba, although this Lion King looks incredible, you know. I'm just going to go for Beyonce, that's all, you know, just to hear her sing. It's going to be awesome. But we go, we watch it, and then we get to our car as quick as we possibly can, and we leave. Just saying. But pastor, you don't understand. No, I get that. I get that. But in light of this scripture, and I know it can't all happen on Sunday morning. I get that. But if it doesn't happen a little on Sunday morning, it'll never happen through the week. Guaranteed. And so this is saying, as a firstborn son, we're supposed to watch out for each other. But I thought we were supposed to evangelize the world. You know what? I think I fell into a trap years ago. And my mind was, you start the church for the lost. You start the church for the lost. You start the church for the lost. And you're absolutely right. That's why we exist, to reach the lost. But I hope they won't stay lost. We've got to start taking care of each other. Once they're here and become a part of the family, then what? We've got to start taking care of each other. Amen? Looking out after each other. Taking the responsibility of the firstborn and saying, you know what? I'm going to pour out of what I have into another person. Not just rush in here, get my coffee, get my praise on. That was a great sermon. I'm done. Get out to my car and go. And some people are antisocial. I get that. If it freaks you out, I understand. By all means, drink your coffee, watch this thing, go. (laughs) I get it. I totally do. You know? But there's others of you that have something to offer. You have something to, to, to encourage somebody by, uplift somebody by. Just all I'm saying is don't rush on Sundays. Don't, don't rush in here and rush out of here. Amen? Watch this. <clears throat> Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Isn't that wild? If we're watching out for each other, then that gossip wheel, that little thing that keeps turning... We shut that down because we're not going to let a poisonous root rise up. Why? Because I'm a firstborn son. And you know what? His strength needs to be seen in the world. And when I'm weak in that area, his strength isn't seen in the world. And when others are weak in that area, his strength isn't seen in the world. And the world looks and says, "Mm, you know what? You see how those Christians are? Bless their hearts. Just speaking truth and love, amen? You're like, don't go away so much, Ross. (laughs) No, I'm just, this has just been such a burden on my heart lately that we would take responsibility as firstborn and that we would look out after each other realizing, man, the world will know we are believers. They will know Jesus by our love one for another. That's how they're going to know. So yes, we want to evangelize the world outside the four walls of this church. We want to bring the lost into the church and, and see them come to Jesus. We want that, but we better be giving the lost something to see more so than just pray a prayer on Sunday morning and now you're saved. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that in and of itself will not keep people. And I don't mean keep people at momentum. I don't care if you don't stay at momentum. You go someplace else. I want you to go to heaven. Amen? I want you to be here too. What I mean is, just praying a prayer, that's not going to just save you. If that's the thought, that's magic. Man, people, are, I'm going to get emails this week. Because you can say some stuff and it doesn't mean anything, okay? What I'm seeing is people that come, do you know what they say? They say 18 months. A person nowadays in a postmodern society coming to a church before they have a true born-again experience, it's almost a year and a half. Isn't that crazy? That's the statistic. Almost a year and a half before Jesus really, just being honest, that's the statistics. It takes people about three years before they have enough confidence in God. You know what? I want to make a difference in the world too. And it reaches their their finances, you know. Isn't that crazy? 
but a year and a half. So in that year and a half time, what are we doing as the church? Are we looking out after each other to where they can see that? Maybe they're the recipient of that, coming in here, needing encouragement, and a person, a firstborn person, walking in that anointing of the firstborn, pouring out because they're realizing that double portion upon them is to spread to others, you know? And they're experiencing that, and they're experiencing that to the point where it's like, man, that's the love of the Father. I didn't even know if I believed in the Father a year and a half ago, but I've seen the Father. I've seen the strength of the Father through the actions of the sons. Amen? And daughters. All the ladies say, thank you. And the daughters. Now you say, but Ross, this seems so askew. How in the world are you going down this path? We're talking about firstborn. Watch this. Same verse. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. Whoa. That brings it home. He traded... His birthright for a single bowl of soup. In other words, for something in the moment that would be easier. Something in the moment that would satisfy temporarily. Something in the moment. And then verse 17, you know that afterwards when he went to his father, um, wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance even though he begged with bitter tears. That's heavy to me when I read that. And so this man traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. I want to ask us, what are we trading our birthright for? I'm not saying our salvation, but I'm saying our place, that anointing on us as a firstborn son that is receiving double portion from our father. And that double portion, we're man every day going, God, how do, I, how do I sow that back out? How do I pour that back out into others? How do I live this before men? How do I walk after the word and live out the word and not make excuse for why I don't want to live the word? Well, that's what the word says. That's a suggestion from the father. I guess as a son, I can follow the suggestion or not. Does that sound like a firstborn? No. Firstborn's going, God, you've given me double portion. If that's what your word says, I may struggle up under that truth, but I'm going to strive to live it. I'm not going to make excuses for it. That's good preaching. That's hard. But I'm just, I'm telling you right now, this whole summer, the Lord's just been laying in my heart just a little bit of, of that tension. It's time for the bride of Christ to be the bride of Christ. It's time for this what God's calling. Listen, some my metaphors. But it's time for us to rise up and to embrace what God's calling. Listen, there were times like Esau that I could have traded my birthright for lesser things because in the moment I wanted things to be easier. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back because I know I'll have opportunity tomorrow to not act like the firstborn. I know I'll have opportunity tomorrow to not walk fully in the inheritance that God wants me to walk in and flow in. I know that. But years ago, we had just brought Pastor Corey on the team. Had just brought him on the team. And the economy tanked. The church was doing great. Best we'd ever done financially. Best we'd ever done in our attendance at the time. Incredible. Amazing. Like four or five months, six months. It was just awesome. We bring Pastor Corey and his wife, Kristen, and their three boys, the Wolf Pack. We bring them down here to Georgia and um, to work. And instantly, that fall, everything just started tanking. It was just financially, the church went into struggles. Um, we dipped in attendance, which wasn't a lot, but at the time, percentage-wise, it was about 10% of the attendance, and it was difficult. And in that moment, I didn't want to act in a way that would take care of my other siblings, you know. I was tempted in that moment to take care of me, all right? 
church at that time was, I can't remember how old, six years old, seven years old. By that time, a lot of, um, what's that called, what's, what do you call that when you feel um, entitled? Entitlement, you know, my gosh, Lord, we've already been through this. We've already went through sacrificing our finances. We, I, don't, I don't want another day like this. But all I could think of was God had a call on this house, a mandate on what our calling was, and then I had to take care of Pastor Corey. I had to, I had to take care of that family. And whatever it mattered, it didn't matter what it took. I needed to let God pour in his portion and pour out. Okay, And again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, I knew God's call on this house. I just didn't want to lose the inheritance that God was bringing to this place. Does that make sense? And so with it, it was a couple of crazy years, wasn't it, Pastor Corey? But man, we got through, you know? And I'm going to be honest, it would have been easier to have just said, Corey, man, you know, you know what's going on. Man, I, it was a good six months, bro. How many, Corey, how many pastors do we know or friends of ours that we know have been in those situations, a bunch. Hey, bring you on. Three months later, yeah, we're going to have to let you go, you know. That's, that's not God-honoring. And so we partnered together, and we got through those tough years, okay. And the Lord ministered. And, and I say that because it's about looking out after each other. And we looked out after each other, and we worked through those couple tough years, and we got through that. And here's what's beautiful about that. Watch. Now look at the heritage of sons and daughters that Corey has been instrumental in birthing in this house. I didn't say me. I hung in. He walked in a firstborn. And the Lord allowed me to take care of a younger brother. And then he walked in a firstborn anointing. And oh my goodness. A worship team that has four different sets of worshipers every week. And, 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 and Pastor, where's Pastor Tyler? Oh, he's teaching right now. I thought he backslid already. He's downstairs teaching the junior hires. Pastor Tyler, man, mentored in this house. Been with us about five, six years. Mentored in this house by Pastor Corey and myself. But in the last year and a half or so, really sewed into by Pastor Corey in the area of youth ministry. And oh my word, the heritage continues because he had his first locket. Well, you already heard the testimonies a few weeks ago at camp. Those students followed Pastor Tyler to camp. And the power of God came upon them, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They came back here giving testimonies. I mean, it was amazing what God's doing. And then they parlayed that, if you will, into a lock-in a couple nights ago, a couple weeks ago, that had 44 students, you know? And it was funny, Pastor Corey and our staff meeting looked over and said, see what it is when you get a real youth pastor? And he was joking, he was, he was joking but, but again, that's a, a, a firstborn that is sewed into another, looked out after another, and they rose up in a firstborn anointing, and 44 people. And can I tell you this? They played some games that night on Friday night. They had some fun, but oh my word, they went after Jesus in worship. They went after the Lord, amen? And, um, and so, so that's a firstborn begetting a firstborn, begetting a generation of firstborns. Can you get that, Amen. Amen? But it sure would have been a whole lot easier in that time just to have traded it for lesser things because in the moment I wanted things to be easier. I really did. Yeah. And you know where the fear comes in? I'll be honest. You know, we're looking to building another building. We're moving forward in that. And, and man, there's that fear. Oh, Lord, what happens if? What happens if? But I can tell you right now, we've got junior hires crammed in a little room downstairs. And you all are sitting in the kids' church room, you know? So, I mean, we've got a growing kids' ministry and junior high ministry on Sunday mornings. We need more space. We do. And that's not what this sermon's about. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what it costs me. I don't. I don't care what I have to face personally. I don't. You know? Why? Because the mandate that's on us, 
that, that firstborn anointing, that double portion anointing. God, we just want to be faithful to keep pouring out into others the next generation. And too many of us have traded in the moment what God, God desires to bring meaning to us for a lifetime. And so I don't know what that might be for you, that thing that you keep trading in a moment. It may be your own personal integrity. It may be your giftings that you just won't take time to use for the glory of God. It may be your finances that you will not allow to be used for the glory of God. I don't know what that might be for you. It may be the, the, to live out his word to God so easily. When it comes to God's putting a challenge in your heart to live out his word, and you just discard it. Man, he's the, he's the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He's Father. Lord, I want to be obedient to you. I want to listen to you. I want to walk in your double portion and be able to move in what you desire. And so if you want it, you can leave this place, I believe, this morning with the firstborn anointing. And I know that sounds really weird. It sounds different. And even the last few weeks when I was praying about this, I just felt like, Lord, a firstborn anointing, a firstborn blessing. Like I said, a blessing is to have more than you need for yourself. And I just felt like, and I'm prayer, that the Lord wants to put a mantle on us of the firstborn. And you know what? I do believe, just like Peter preached in the house of Cornelius and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon that house, I believe under the unction of my voice today, not because I'm special, but I'm moving under the unction of Father, and I am his son, his firstborn son in this moment, and declaring that, I believe that there's a word over our house that if you want to receive a firstborn anointing on your life, amen, a double portion on your life, get ready for it, amen? Not just the right, but the responsibility as well. And before we leave, I'm just going to pray an old-fashioned conferring a blessing upon you. Amen? And I believe God's putting a mantle upon our house to walk as firstborn, both in right and in responsibility. That double portion, if God gives you it, that double portion, that just means if He gives you it, you know, if He brings more, do more. If God gives you more, do more. That's really all it means. Pour forth. If God gives you happiness in your marriage, then by all means, share that with other couples. Amen? If you've been through some stuff and you got through it and you haven't killed yourselves yet, don't rush out of here on a Sunday. Look for another couple. You may, God may give you supernatural vision to where you look at a couple and you're like, man, I've seen them two, three weeks in a row and I can just tell their hearts are heavy. And as a healthy couple, talk to that couple. Hey, let's go to lunch. Who knows what God might do as you begin to take responsibility as a firstborn and pour out of you into their life. Amen? I don't know what that looks like. Maybe if God gives you health, share that joy with others. If God has given you more experiences that have shaped you, use that to make a difference in other people's lives. But Pastor Ross, I don't know how. Talk with Pastor Brantley. Be a journey group leader. Have two or three people and just pour into each other's lives, you know? Because of the experiences that you've been through. If the Lord has ever encouraged you in this house, if he's ever brought your, your salvation here, if he's ever delivered you in this house, if he's, if he's ever done anything like that here, all right, bring a friend with you to this house. On August 4th, we're going to make it easy for you. That's kind of like the back. Get here early to get seats. Back to church Sunday, you know. I mean, summer's over, and, and, um, and you'll have to get here early to get seats. It's how it is all the, every year. And so, but bring your friends in August. The whole series, we'll talk about it next week, is designed around reaching them. Amen? And so bring your friends in August. But that's that pouring out. And so the question I began with was, God, will God bless me? What will it take for... God to bring his blessing upon me. Let's stand to our feet.
don't want to be a people who trade in the moment what God desires to bring meaning to us for a lifetime. I don't want to be that person, you know. God, I, I want your blessing. Even if it costs me something, Lord, help me to embrace what you want to do in me as a firstborn of yours that will carry that double portion anointing, that will allow that to be able to flow into other people's lives. In Isaiah 58, 5 through 12, we're going to finish with this. What motivates God to bless others with more? What is it? And I think this scripture shows us exactly what motivates God to bless his children with more. It says in verse 5, Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? And it says a fast, but I really think we can almost put in there any spiritual act. You know, is, is such the attendance at church of such that I choose a day for a person to humble themselves? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Look how pious I am, you know. Will you call this a fast and then a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? This is what God says. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? In other words, take care of each other. Don't be Esau that is just worked up all with your agenda of your soup, the cost of your soup, soup, the satisfaction temporary of your, temporarily of your soup. No, here it shows us all these things. We look out for others. When you see the naked, you look to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. And here's what's amazing. I want to give you 12 things. And you're like, whoa, I thought the sermon was over. It is. It is. We look out for other people, and the anointing of God comes upon us, and watch the 12 promises. I can't believe this. One big ask, and it results in 12 promises of more. Just one big ask, you know? And that, 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 that ask was just the idea of do for others. Watch out for other people. Be responsible, not just walk in the right, but also in the responsibility. Watch this, verse 8. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. That's the number one, number one promise. And your healing shall spring up speedily. Two. Your righteousness shall go before you. Three. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Four. You, you will go through life going, but if I pour out too much, I won't have enough for myself. That is scarcity thinking, not abundance thinking. That's the lie of the enemy who steals and kills and destroys, not the God that brings life and makes life more abundant. No, it's showing us here. When we watch out after others and we pour, God, you can't get away from his promises. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. The promise of his presence, five. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean don't act like half the church half the time? Yeah. Be different. Be like a son of the Most High Father, the Most High God. Be like a son of the El Shaddai. Love it. 
If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Six. And the Lord will guide you continually. Seven. And satisfy your desire in scorched places. Eight. And make your bones strong. Nine. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Ten. And your ancient room shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Eleven. It's all about sons begetting sons. It's all about firstborns getting in the flow of what God's doing to create more firstborns. Amen? Generations. And then finally, you shall dwell. Care of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in twelve. Give God some praise in this house. Amen? And so if you're wanting to walk on the blessing of God, guess what? God is looking for people who will embrace the mantle of being a firstborn. You can't pray for the double portion anointing of God. Give me more. I want a double portion. Glory to God. No, you can't pray for the right and refuse to move in the, in the responsibility. They kind of go hand in hand. Amen? And so first, just close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. If you're here this morning, you're like, this whole firstborn thing, Ross, I don't even know if I'm a child of God. If you haven't come into a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you right now, He wants you to begin that relationship with Him today. And if that's you, man, it's a great day for you to start. The Word of God says that when you come into that decision and you begin to go toward God, you become born again when His Holy Spirit comes to live within you. A new life, a firstborn son kind of experience. And if you're not sure of your salvation this morning, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Would you raise your hand if you would like to be sure before you leave here today? Just hold your hand up. Is there anyone today that you want to be sure? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else today? I want to be sure. Everybody pray this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I have sinned against you. But your blood covers my sins. I thank you, Jesus, what you did on the cross to cover my sins. I thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the grave to show me that you have power over my sins. Jesus, today, I declare that you are Lord of my life, and I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise, amen. now what I'd like to do is if you're here this morning you're like Ross I do I want that mantle of fresh and anew that firstborn anointing and like I said I, I I don't know why I feel like God's telling me to do this I feel like it's kind of weird to be honest but I want to be obedient to his spirit and I just feel like he wants to to just like Peter of old preaching at the house of Cornelius he just wants to place that mantle upon us but know this it's a mantle of right and responsibility man it's a mantle of provision but then also purpose And so if you want that mantle, hold your hands up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you see this body of believers, God. You see this family of God here at Momentum Church, Lord, and our guests that are with us that may go to other churches. But, Lord, God, as we raise our hands to you, they're not raising them to me. We raise them to you, Jesus. And we ask that you'd place upon us an anointing, a special touch, that firstborn anointing, that mantle upon us. 
that you would just encourage us and that each day, Lord, we would sense our right and our responsibility to be your sons and daughters in this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.